nigga. Socked out. Watch the way you talking when you talk, nigga. Uh, yeah, got me fucked up, look. I'm snatching niggas' wave caps off. Game cats off. Fuck your set. Hat gets soaked. Spill that yoke. Fig side. Fuck that boy. We smoke that boy. Chase him down. All right, all right, all right, all right. What? Am I am I am I just getting old? That's probably it. I I think I'm just getting old. Then again, I I the opinion I have right now which I have yet to describe about the song we just listened to. Uh I feel as if I would have had this opinion 10 years ago when I was not old. Um, this music just strikes me as low IQ. That was off of Schoolboy Q's new album. No shade to Schoolboy Q. I'm sure he's a fine person, but... Perhaps he should change his artist name to Low IQ. Ha! Psych. Um, what what is what are we doing? I mean, that's like you think you the shit, bitch. You're not even the fart. Like we're 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 venturing into that those levels. We're venturing into you not even the fart levels of of retardation. In modern hip hop, what am I listening to? It's like a parody of itself. And my friend sends me this, like, yo, this album is life changing. How? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do I not get music? I'm not, I, I just don't understand what it is. I just don't understand what it is that I'm missing with this type of music. It's literally so over-the-top ridiculous and retarded and low-vibrational that it almost seems like a joke. Like, if there was ever an Illuminati theorist who believed there was a conspiracy in the music industry and in Hollywood as a whole to flood the airwaves with horrible messagery, um, small-minded values, harmful values, And, and destroy communities. Um, it's hard to listen to this shit and not think that's the case. I mean, this is the type of shit that gets pushed to the top of the charts. Okay, if it's not for me, it's not for me. Clearly, it's not for me. I just... I'm just trying to picture the person it is for. Apparently, it's a lot of people. 
Like, I guess maybe there's something I don't understand about how certain people enjoy music. Like for me, when I listen to music, what grips me is a melody, a chord progression, um, things like that, that kind of like grab you in and you can experience this emotion from the music. That's not what this is. Not just this specifically, but, but rap in general is all about the lyrics, right? It's all about the lyrics. I mean, when you venture into hip hop, and there is a difference. I do consider hip hop and rap different genres. What I just listened to there, maybe on this, this is one example, that's like rap to me. There's no musical element to it outside of just keeping your words mildly on beat. The beat is the same. It's a four-bar loop. I mean, at what point do people that listen to this on a regular basis, I can understand if you're, if you're about to hit the bars with your friends and this song comes on and you get a little lit to it. Yeah, pop, pop, pop. Shots, let's do some shots. Yeah, buck, 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 buck. I can get that. But like just driving around in your car, like running errands, working from home, this is in your headphones. I don't think you actually like music. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this, I hate to say it. I just don't know what else to say. I just don't know what else to say. So anyway, shouts out Schoolboy Q for that uh, life-changing song. Rico Nasty, also a part of that. And um, My name is Jimmy Seleski. As you can see, I am a little grumpy today. It's not Schoolboy Q's fault. I take back everything I ever said, Schoolboy Q. You're a genius. This song and album is a musical masterpiece. It's me that doesn't get it. And everyone else, their subjective tastes are correct. This is the pinnacle of art. I'm sorry. I'm just being a little curmudgeonly, a little cranky. Because I'm hungover. It is fuck me Friday. I do so well earlier in the week. Monday through Wednesday, I am on the fucking ball. I'm pumping out the show. I'm hitting the gym. I'm finding time to do other shit. In the midst of that. But once that tail end of the week comes around, I just, I have, I have yet to complete a five-day week where I flawlessly got the show out Monday through Friday, all five days, and hit the gym all five days. I have yet to accomplish that. Because once that second half of the week comes in and there starts being gigs and stuff, it just fucks with my whole vibe. And so last night, I played down in Gaithersburg. It's like over an hour away with rush hour traffic. I had to leave my house by 5.30. And I go down there, and, and I have a couple drinks. Okay. Shoot me. The bartender's pouring with a heavy hand. I'm talking to some people, having a time, but they... They like me down there in the Kentlands. So I, I, I have a chat with some people, have a couple drinks. It's only a two-hour gig. And the little voice in my head, uh, whose name is Jim Beam, uh, convinces me to go grab a pack of cigarettes from the gas station across the street before this one-hour trek home. Great idea. Great idea, Jim. Jim Beam to Jim Seleski. Um, that's not really the issue though. See, you would think that the 
uh, chain smoking for the last hour of the night because that's really what it was. I didn't smoke a cigarette all day. I, I, had, I hadn't smoked a cigarette since uh, last Saturday before last night. And at 11 p.m. leaving the place, I grab a pack of cigarettes and manage to smoke, you know, three or four by the end of the night. So when I say chain smoking, I'm not, I'm not implying that I smoked a, a high volume of cigarettes. I just smoked a lot in a small period of time, right before bed, not ideal. And I had planned all day that when I got back from this gig, which I was not planning on getting back at 12.30 a.m., I had planned that I was going to finally make my steak that I have had dry brining in the fridge. Dry brining is just a more obnoxious uh, word for salted. Salting. You just put some salt on the steak. You want to salt your steak at least an hour before you cook it. If you can get a few hours in, that's great. I'm starting, they say that you can go up to 48 hours. Mine was 24 hours uh, dry brined, but not by choice. See, my apartment building, as you've come to learn, fucking sucks. And so Wednesday night, I come home after a long day of work. We had a very intense show that day. I was inventing uh, conspiracies about the Michigan primary election, which is still, you know, nobody else is talking about it. It's starting to make me feel like maybe I'm wrong. Um, also, people are allowed to be wrong. And also, I'm not saying I am wrong. Also, I never said I was right. I just said it's a possibility. You need to be allowed to be wrong. You can't, you can't have a world where no one can say something unless it's 100% true because then people just aren't going to say shit. You need to be able to be wrong in order to find the truth. Hypothesis, the scientific method. I'm just introducing an idea. But anyway, it's an intense show on Wednesday. I come back. I had grocery shopped earlier in the day. I had been dry brining my steak in the fridge, put a little salt on both sides, wrap it up in aluminum foil or plastic wrap, whatever you have access to, leave it in the fridge. I go to take the steak out after it's been in the fridge salting for the past six hours before I left to do the show. I put it on the counter, let it get to room temperature. You want to get your steak down to room temperature before you cook it so it cooks more evenly. So now it's dry brining on the counter. And just as I go to turn on the stove, I get a text from my apartment building. Now, this is not unusual. Even at the, uh, the amazing hour of 10.30 p.m., this is not unusual. I get at least a text a day from my building. I think I've gotten three just today in the past hour from my building. That seems like a lot because it is a lot. But this 10.30 p.m. text regrets to inform me that the gas in the building has been turned off. That's right, no gas in the building. Oh, did you want to cook? Because we do have all gas stoves. No, no cooking, no hot water. No, no, get over it. Oh, you wanted to take a shower before bed? No. Hungry? Who cares? So here I am with this steak. I got the potatoes out. I got the vegetables all cut up. I'm ready to fucking go. Nope. Not eating tonight, buddy. So instead, I have to microwave a few strips of bacon and make myself uh, my third BLT in two days. I I've been on a little BLT kick lately. And so, now that my steak had already been salting, there was a time ticking, clock ticking, on when I could eat it. So I had to eat it last night. And, and for whatever reason, it just did not hit the spot. And I, let me tell you something. There is nothing that puts me in a worse mood. Oddly enough, 
than having an unsatisfying meal. We take for granted the simple pleasure of eating a meal that satisfies you. You enjoy it from start to finish. You feel full but not too full. Maybe it's so good you're looking forward to the next time you can eat that. We take that for granted. That's not every meal. I made myself steak, mashed potatoes, and broccoli last night. I'm not a big broccoli guy. I usually do asparagus, but I want broccoli. Little mushrooms and onions on the steak. It, it just wasn't that good. I don't know if maybe I had salted the steak too much, meaning either too much salt or too much time. Maybe, I mean, it, it notably changes the flavor when you have it salting for a day. Maybe, you know, everybody's all about aging process. You know, you got to age a whiskey. Oh, this is a 400-year-old barrel-aged fucking cognac. And it's just like taken as a given that the longer you age something, the better. Um, maybe there's a sweet spot for salting your steak. and Or maybe I just don't prefer the... 24-hour salting. Um, and, and that, and I stayed up until 4.30 in the morning doing random shit because I'm drinking and smoking cigs and eating steak. And I wake up late this morning and, and I normally don't eat in the morning, but I'm hungry. And also, I still, I have this lingering taste of steak and I have a headache from it. I'm hungover. And there's nothing worse, not only than just being hungover and not only having eaten an unsatisfying meal, but when you combine those two things, it is miserable. So I wake up this morning and I think, I just need to put that behind me. I need to bury the hatchet. I need to make myself another meal, a nice, satisfying meal. That way, my most recent eating experience does not literally leave a bad taste in my mouth. So, I take to the kitchen. I fry up some of the kielbasa I have for some reason. I bought kielbasa the other day, just out of curiosity. I toast a couple pieces of bread, fry up some onions and peppers, make myself a little, you know, Polish sausage sandwich. Horrible. That's right. Horrible. Why? How is that not good? I'm like actually mad. I'm now, I'm now operating off of two straight shitty meals. So yes, I'm a little pissed off. Can I fucking eat something good, please? I mean, what am I doing? Good grief. But anyway. It's March. March 1st. Yesterday was, of course, Leap Day, February 29th, or if you will, March 0th. That'd be cool if instead of adding an extra day to February, they just started March on March zero. Would that not be kind of cool? It's the zeroth of March. Mm. Just a thought. Not as good as my other thoughts yesterday, but I just had to get that in there. A um, few things to talk about. Uh, first and foremost... Let's uh, let's discuss um, some some of the goings on in the Twitterverse. X Nation. Um, this has been a uh, pretty heavy thing in the news in the hip hop realm. Before I get to that, I just want to touch upon this thing since it's a little bit older and is fastly becoming not a thing anymore. This uh, was a tweet that has since been deleted. 
But luckily, the nerds on Reddit screen capped it. This was tweeted by Jairo Ifunes Flores. I'm going to assume he is Latino. Latino! And he tweets, Rest in power, Aaron Bushnell. That's what he sounds like. Uh, Aaron Bushnell, of course, the guy who self-immolated, if you prefer to sound intelligent, uh, instead of just saying burned himself alive like a normal person. Um, that's, just, that's not the thing. He just says, rest in power, Aaron Bushnell. The, the, the news story, this is not a news story, but is the quote tweet by Veronica, Veronica Lucia, who says, can we not use this phrase on white men, please? I get the sentiment, but rest in power is historically used to mourn black people who are killed by hate crimes and like police and stuff. Point taken, Veronica. Um, uh, people, I've seen people talk about this, so I'm not going to dwell on this, but it, it's just a pretty solid example of that ideology. There is nothing you can do. I'm sorry. If you're a white guy and you're trying to gain points in the progressive zeitgeist, just know you will never, you will never be fully accepted. Why? Because the entire ideology is predicated on the idea that Eurocentric, a.k.a. white-centric, heteronormative, cisgender, patriarchal, uh, all those things are the enemy. They're the bad things. The patriarchy is a bad thing. Eurocentrism is a bad thing. Eurocentricity, whatever the word is. Heteronormativism, bad thing. Cisgenderism, not necessarily a bad thing, but um, not inclusive, let's say. Um, so you can literally burn yourself alive for... A cause that has nothing to do with you. That's kind of a crazy thing. I mean, again, this is something you'll hear people say from time to time, but it, it does bear repeating. Can you imagine a Palestinian guy burning himself alive for some type of white American cause? much less a black American cause. I mean, can you literally picture it? You can't. White people really kind of are the only group of people that consistently take on or even give a shit about other groups of people's issues. This guy just burned himself alive over something that does not affect him for people who, quite honestly, don't give a fuck that he just burned himself alive. Arguably one of the most painful, horrific ways to die. And all this woman has to say, I'm saying woman, it's probably a 17-year-old girl. If I had to guess, I'd say closer to 1920. All she has to say is, uh, yeah, we're not saying rest in power. That's a black thing. Okay. Like, yeah, I get that he burned himself alive for the people of Palestine, but um, he's still a white man and has no idea, has no idea what it's like to suffer. Oh, he has no idea what it's like to suffer? The guy who just burned alive doesn't understand suffering and has not earned the ability to rest in power. 
Now, I'm not defending his actions. I'm not saying I agree with them. Uh, I think this guy is a fucking wacko. I think you're a wacko if you burn yourself alive for any reason. It's a wacko thing to do. Sorry, it is. There's not really any situation where that is the most sensible foot forward. You got to believe that there were other ways to advance his cause. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You got to believe that's the case. If there is a ceasefire in Israel, it will not be because this guy burned himself alive. It started a conversation. It has not changed the conversation. It has not changed the trajectory of this conflict in any way. They don't give a shit. The Palestinians don't give a shit and the Israelis don't give a shit that some 25-year-old mentally ill white man in D.C. burned himself alive out front of the Israeli embassy. What a fucking waste. What a tragedy. Seriously. And all that will be done with his death is that the opportunists will attempt to to make a martyr of him, which just like all their martyrs is laughable. Such uh, honorable martyrs as George Floyd included in this category. Just a who's who of troubled Uh, either mentally ill or just all-around terrible people is is the roster that we're looking at when we look at the, the left's martyrs. And as soon as there's no more political points to be gained by citing this incident, he'll be forgotten. He's already becoming forgotten. This is already becoming old news. He died because he was radicalized by an ideology that does not give two shits about him. That's why you see all these white people in particular. If you look at like the people that primarily are the ones who are like, yeah, I'm non-binary actually. My pronouns are Z, Zem. Um, Yeah, I actually consider myself queer even though I've never even done anything remotely homosexual. Um, but I, 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 I am queer. Queer just means boring white person. <laughs> That's what it means. I've looked into it, and all I can determine is queer means I am a completely normal white person who hates the fact that I am a completely normal white person. So I simply must have an identity outside of that. Because again, if you adhere to an ideology that preaches that straight, white, privileged people are the bad guys, then if you're a straight, white, privileged person, you have to do anything in your power to not be that. Just to have any, um, you know, love for yourself. How can you live as a normal straight white person who grew up in a nice neighborhood, sheltered lifestyle, sheltered upbringing, while while having fully subscribed to this ideology that says you, specifically you, are what's wrong with everything in the world. You are literally the bad guy. Well, you better find a new fucking identity real quick. That's why you see, it's always those types. The privileged, sheltered, completely basic white people that are the most inclined to buy into this bullshit. 
And even when they do, they still, they're still never, because they, they believe it's, it's kind of like, like Pokemon HP, like points, intersectionality, everything you get. If you're this, you know, if you're gay, you get this many points. If you're trans, you get a little bit more points. If you're black, you get this many points. If you're Jewish, you get this many points, but not as many if you're Muslim. And everything's like, it's like a fucking um, fan fiction and everything. It's like a fucking uh, build your own frozen yogurt cup, but with, with identity traits and certain identities get more points than others. And basically whoever has the most points is the most, uh, I don't know, able to speak on any given issue. Um, and, and, and white people get to like negative points. So you have these people going out of their way to make these grand demonstrations of saying, I'm a good person. I care about you. And then everyone else is like, what? And you're like, look, I care about you so much. I'm going to burn myself alive to send a message that you need to be treated better or whatever. And they go, whatever, white boy. (laughs) It's sad, really. It's sad and pathetic. Um, but yeah. Maybe uh, if, if anyone out there is listening to this and is, is considering burning yourself alive or really committing any act of physical harm or life-ending sacrifice in the name of the cause, just consider first, do these people even like me? <laughs> and when you find that the answer is almost always no, maybe just go take a walk instead. Maybe tweet something. Maybe make a Facebook status to get 64 likes. As I said before, if and when this conflict comes to a resolution, it will have not had nothing to do with this man burning himself alive. You achieved nothing. And that's a tragedy. Anyway, uh, that was one thing in the news. Another thing in the news is... Uh, Well, it's a bigger story than what I'm about to say, but for whatever reason, what I'm about to say is the biggest story, which is, is Meek Mill gay? Hold up, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was gay? (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess we did think you're gay now, Meek Mill. I don't, I don't know. The reason I say it sh- it, it's surprising that it is the biggest news story because the actual story about this whole thing is, is much bigger than whether or not Meek Mills is gay. Uh, the actual story is uh, that Puff Daddy, a.k.a. P. Diddy, a.k.a. Sean Combs, um, is like sexually molesting and grooming young men and women, underage prostitutes, that he may or may not have had sexual relationships with Usher and Meek Mill when they were underage. Maybe, I don't know. Um, so the underage thing is a much bigger thing than whether or not two consenting adults are having sex with each other. But I got to say, the latter is a much funnier thing to talk about. Um, Andrew Tate tweeted at Meek Mill the other day. He says, so P. Diddy was having sex with Meek Mill and Usher. And then Meek Mill quote tweeted him, said, was you sex trafficking women? TF wrong with you, Brody. Sometimes I wonder if, if people that type like that on the internet know that that's wrong. Like, are they making a conscious effort to not speak properly? Or is this like, do they just, are they just that unaware of how the English language actually sounds? Was you sex trafficking women? TF wrong with you, Brody. I guess Brody is just, um, 
kind of like the male Karen, maybe. It's obviously a racial epithet. Who cares? You can say that. Um, Andrew Tate says, I only asked a question because everyone is saying it happened. Is it true or not? Now, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, I must stress this. It doesn't matter if Meek Mill is gay for Sean Combs or vice versa. But it does kind of let you take a a, a deeper peek at um, the inner workings of the music industry and Hollywood as a whole. There is perhaps no more of a cesspit of an industry when it comes to sexual uh, just degeneracy and abuse of power than in the entertainment industry. Now, if it's two adults, to be honest, I don't want to fucking hear about it. I don't care if you're a 22-year-old woman and you walked into Harvey Weinstein's office and he implied that if you let him jerk off in front of you or if you sucked his dick or if you fucked him or whatever, that you could get a leading role in a, in a movie. If you agreed to that, I don't feel any type of anything for you. I really don't. You didn't get me too. You weren't raped. You, you were given a decision. Okay, Harvey Weinstein could walk in here right now and say, I tell you what, if you suck my nuts, if you just fucking gag on my fucking curved question mark cock, Right now, I will make this show of yours have 100,000, 1 million daily views by tomorrow. I would say, no thank you, Harv. No thank you. Why? Because I'm an adult and it's not worth it to me to do something like that to achieve um, more notoriety or fame. Um. If if it if it was worth it to those women, then that's a decision they made. I don't understand why that's such a uh, controversial opinion to have. Like, why are we infantilizing women? Why are we not holding them to the same standard? I I don't believe necessarily in power dynamics as a sole. Uh, indicator of uh, sexual misconduct. I don't. Now, I'm not saying I condone somebody literally saying, you got to fucking fuck me to get this part. That's some real scumbag behavior. I would never do that. If I was in the room when he said it, I'd probably punch him in the fucking face. It's real dirtbag behavior, obviously. But also, no one made you do it. No one held a gun to your head. You felt like your career was at risk. Okay, well, what's more important to you, your career or your sexual integrity and dignity? If you're willing to demean yourself to prostitute yourself in order to advance your career, that's on you. That's not on men. That's not on power dynamics. If you're willing to blow somebody for a higher salary, if you're willing to fuck somebody for a lead role in a a major movie, then that's, that's the decision you made. I don't want to hear about all that shit. I really don't. However, when it comes to young kids, underage kids, yeah, that's obviously a whole different thing. And between the R. Kelly allegations, um, the, the stuff we're hearing about now with, with Puff Daddy, I mean, this is everywhere. This is everywhere. I mean, so many, and, and, and the, 
the gay thing is just a, an added component of like these guys that are famous, these rapid, they're phonies. They're fucking industry plants. I'm not, I don't care that they're gay on the low. That's whatever. It's just another drop in the bucket of proving that the person that they're pretending to be is not them. I started this whole show discussing that if there was ever a case to be made that Hollywood is and, and the music industry is purposely pumping out messagery that is detrimental to the psychology and values of society, just punic, punic, pumping out utter horseshit, low IQ. You think you're the shit? You're not even the fun. Like, and people are listening, like, yeah, I get money, boy. Ha, pop, pop, pop. Bust cape. All I know is gang shit, boy. I got shooters in the cat. Meanwhile, you talk to these guys. I mean, fucking. Fucking Tupac is an actor. He's an art school kid. That's a that's a fact. I don't know if he somehow magically became a G later in life. But it certainly seems more likely that he just realized that he found what people he found a lot more success when he just basically became the character he played in Juice. And so he went from some soft talking, yeah, I'm Tupac, yeah, you know, I just, I just really like to absorb into the role of my character, blah, blah, blah. And, fuck your bitch in the kitchen, claim Tupac, when we rock, I'm equipped. What the fuck is that? That's not you, Pac. Tupac. And people just accept it. They're just like, yeah, yeah, he just. I mean, look, I fucking love that song. I think it's the greatest diss track of all time, second to Mr. Grinch. Nothing goes harder than, uh, uh, with arsenic socks. I mean, that one, that's just, I mean, that's just crushing. Grinch was never the same after that song. But second to that, you're talking to hit him up. I hit him up. Anyone y'all have sickle cell or something? Good shit. But I can't help but wonder, I can't help but think, what? How did you suddenly become this guy? Could it potentially be that you are playing a character? Now, he was really shot and really killed. But there's plenty of people that are shot and killed that aren't gangsters. That doesn't necessarily validate his authenticity. Perhaps he got he bought into his own character so much that he went down the wrong path and that was the ultimate uh, end result. But I just don't understand why it's just so commonly accepted that someone like Tupac could have been this soft-spoken art student that just magically all of a sudden was this hood gangster dude. As if it may have had nothing to do with the fact that he found that that, that persona, that character was going to sell records. And you see that all the time. I mean, you, you listen to like Lil Yachty's music. I, Lil Yachty seems like a nice guy, but you, you listen to his music... And then you watch him talk on that like little podcast he has where he interviews people. It's like, dude, you're literally not, you're literally playing a character when you're making these songs. This is not you. This is how you talk. You talk like this. You talk like me about things that I talk about. Yo, you like big boobs or ass? 
And then on your yeah 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 yeah. What are you doing, dude? What is this character you've invented for yourself? I'm not hating on the idea of having a character in general. Um, unless that character always tends to be a consciously concocted um, worst possible version of yourself that is pushing the worst possible values on the people around you because the people that are listening to this music, because the people that are listening to the music are, are seeing just this character you've created and assuming that, oh shit, he gets all this money and he has all this stuff and he found all this success by being like street, you know, like by hustling and all this stuff. And it's like, no, this is just a character he's playing. He's actually not like that at all. Or at least nearly as much as he portrays himself. But then the people that are uh, like consuming this shit, they don't know that. So they, they start all embodying these values. And then they inevitably find no success in life. And it's like, yeah, if you're an Illuminati conspiracist, you got a solid fucking case. That, that they are purposely pushing out this fucking bullshit with actors playing the role of gangsters. That's not all rappers. But when you talk about the industry plants, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of fucking phonies out there. Um, but yeah, as far as Meek Mills goes, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. I saw a video of them like doing karaoke together and it looked kind of sus. It's just, you know, you just, you go through like these family trees and you're like, and young Miami is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s cousin and all this stuff. And it's like, they're related to this circle and his two sons have that. And it's like, it's so like nepotistic and inner circle-y and like, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, all these people are, are, that this kind of shit is going on. It goes so much deeper than you could ever imagine. People forget. It is crazy that people forget, but we, I mean, that whole Epstein thing, you know, something that nobody would have ever believed unless it was verifiably true and proven that, you know, this guy has a fucking island full of child sex trafficking where all these big money power players and shit like that in our society frequently visit, like from presidents to artists to entertainers to athletes, all these fucking people, financiers, bankers, like... It's like this fucking club. This, like, that... Whatever. Um, last thing I wanted to get to is... Uh, I was actually recommended uh, to do a little segment where I kind of go through the comments of the week. Or at least that's how I took it. Um, this is by Budgie. Budgie54. Budgie, I believe, is another term for... Um, like a parakeet might be what they call them in New Zealand. There was a parakeet that had escaped in my uh, neighborhood that was living in a tree. And I used to see him every day when I was walking to the gym with Alex. This is years ago. And he stuck out obviously because parakeets are, are not indigenous, naturally occurring birds in Baltimore, Maryland. And, uh, we looked up what kind of bird he was and we saw that budgie is a term. We, we named him budgie. So that might be what your name means, budgie. I don't know. Um, but you recommended that I go through some comments or one of your comments specifically. Well, guess what? I just did. I just did. Do a viewer of the week segment where you can just talk about one of my comments. Done. Check. 
you did leave a lot of comments on that one video. Um, all all good stuff. I I can't get too political right now on a Friday. Um, so maybe next week I'll take a deeper dive into one of your comments. Um, but for now, just a big shout out to you for recommending that because I think that's a good idea to kind of have like a comment of the week, a week, you know, go through that on Fridays. That's, that's pretty sweet. So we'll do noted. Um, I will talk about this comment though, since it's not political. Um, and it's something I do want to kind of cover up on Monday. I did an episode about, uh, the court storming that goes on in, in college sports and, uh, Noah, Noah Barkley, I believe. Noah Barkley, 3456. 3456 says, you can go to the G League. You don't have to go to college anymore. Plus, most first-round picks don't go to college. Alexander Saar, Ron Holland, Zachary, Risa Shear, and on and on and on. This is, of course, in response to my complaining about the fact that I said that you have to go to a year of college before you're allowed to be drafted into the NBA. Um, That was kind of a misspeak on my part. Or perhaps more accurately, it's just I I oversimplified it. Um, I think if, if you were to ask me on Monday, do you have to go to college or can you just be a year out. I would have said, yeah, you can just be a year out. You don't have to go to college. I was not aware of the G League option, which is basically like the minor leagues for the NBA. Um, But I was aware that the rule does not state that you must go to college. However, the effective outcome is that it basically says that. Um, His, the second claim, and I did respond in the comments as well, Uh, His second claim, most first-round picks don't go to college. That I found to be untrue. I looked at the 2022 and 2023 draft classes and found that 51 of the 60 first-round picks in those two years uh, were drafted out of college. There were something like five international picks, which... Some of them might have just been people from other countries. In fact, probably most of them were. I, I didn't bother. I wasn't really, I didn't really take the time to look into which of those international picks were actual American like kids that went to high school here that decided to play internationally for a year and then come back. Because that's a different situation than just like, oh, yeah, we got this guy from fucking Serbia. Like, okay, yeah, obviously there's going to be some of that. But I, that doesn't necessarily advance the argument. And then um, in the past few years, it's been like, a few, like four or something, people drafted out of the G League. They have this new team called G League Ignite, um, which is, uh, it was introduced in 2020 as an alternative to having to do the one and done in college. Um, They actually, they offer salaries up to like $500,000. I think the average is like 100,000. The average salary in the G League, mind you, is 40,000. So we're talking like teacher wage. Um, and, and from, I would, I would say for most of these kids, uh, that are top tier prospects coming out of high school, it's probably, it's definitely more lucrative to go into college, play at a major D one program, be a star on that team, especially now that you're able to collect the NIL, which I learned today stands for, um, name, image, and likeness. And you have athletes that are making in the millions per year, uh, just now that they're allowed to make money off of their, off of themselves. They're not able to be directly paid by the college necessarily, but they are, they are allowed to profit off of their brand now. Um, and I think it's suffice to say that a top prospect, um, going to play at Duke or UNC or Kentucky or a school like that, a top level program is going to make is going to be, you know, much more popular and be able to make much more money than the $40,000 a year salary if they go to the G League where nobody's going to fucking know them. And also uh historically players that go to the G League uh that come out of college or come out of high school as a 
top tier, like expected to be like first first round, like top three draft pick, they often get drafted lower because um, they just tend not to perform as well in the G League. Now, there's a myriad of reasons why they made this rule. This rule came into effect in 2006 after like a, a lockout or something like that, collective bargaining agreement or whatever. And again, you have to be 19 years old. You have to be a year out of high school. So um, those are the stipulations. As I mentioned, 85% of the draft class uh, in the first round is is out of college, not international, not G League. So it's 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 overwhelmingly the most common and most uh, historically successful route to the NBA. Um, this benefits the NBA and the NCAA. I suppose maybe I implied the other day that it's specifically benefits the NCAA. Obviously, it's going to benefit both of them. Obviously, the NBA is not just going to do the NCAA a favor. Obviously, there's something in it for both of them. Um, the NBA now has basically an unpaid internship program where they can see how these players are able to compete at a higher level without needing to invest in them in any way. You know, even if you bring them onto your G League team, you have to pay them $40,000 a year, which is like 5% of a normal rookie contract. Literally, I think starting uh, draft salary, draft pick salary is like $800,000. So the average G League salary is $40,000. That's literally 5% of that. So either you go to the G League and spend a year there where you're probably not going to do very well. It's going to historically has made people perform less well in the draft than they were projected to. And also you're getting paid pennies. Basically you're getting paid like a regular sub uh, average income in America uh, as opposed to going to play at fucking Kentucky uh, being a standout on that team and making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars off your off your NIL, it kind of goes hand in hand. And so, of course, the NCAA profits from that by having these top prospects play a year at their schools, drives up the entertainment value. Especially the schools themselves benefit from this. And again, the NBA has an unpaid internship program in the NCAA. So much like. I, I, I use that whole thing as an analogy, or actually I was using the analogy of how you need to get a college degree just to get a regular job that doesn't even require a college degree in reality, a college education that is. Um, it's a self, like the, the NBA benefits from it and college basketball benefits from this policy as well. The people who benefit the least are probably the players, which is exactly what you would expect. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and feel sorry for people that, wind up making millions of dollars playing playing basketball. So I'm not I'm not like like I'm just pointing out that this is the way it is. I'm not trying to say like oh poor this guy he only makes a million dollars a year like no. I'm just saying you see these you see these uh policies they have and you realize that it's all set up in a very gatekeepy way. You know where the NBA has decided that as an 18-year-old graduate of high school, top prospect, um, yeah, we're not funding your first year of development. You need to go play for free somewhere, basically, or for nothing, close to. Or they have that, like I said, G League uh, Ignite thing, which they pay pretty high salaries, but I think only like two or three people were drafted in the first round in the past two years out of that and they're not even sure if they're going to continue doing that. Players tend to not. It doesn't seem to be working. So I, I just think that was the NBA trying to basically uh, like launder their image a little bit by being like, look, we're not saying you have to go to college and, and engage in this, what is essentially an unpaid internship for us. Uh, we're offering this and they're like, didn't really put anything into it. And it's a kind of a joke. And it's still clearly not the way to go. Um, and they're probably going to get rid of it. But at least now they can say that, you know, they can pretend like it's not the case. So um, Noah Barkley, 
3456. Good comment. Uh, it did drive me down to look more in depth in this, into this subject. So I learned something. Hopefully we both learned something. Um, other than that, guys, since we're on the topic of sports, let's dive into the Rook looks for tonight. couple picks coming at you. Uh, first of which, I don't know what the fuck happened. We, 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 we lost the East Carolina bet last night. We had East Carolina plus four. They wound up losing by like fucking uh, 24. They lost 82 to 58. So it wasn't even close, whatever. But we did that with the bet and get thing for a unit, $10. So I don't. I, I feel like I should have a $10 bonus bet somewhere. I don't know where the fuck it is. Did they just lie to me? Or are they just like behind on paying it? Or are they going to pay it next leap day in 2028? So I was, I was looking forward to, to having a, a pick to throw that bonus bet on, but I didn't get mine. So I don't know what the fuck's going on. Maybe I just didn't read the terms properly enough, but whatever. I'll, I'll wait another day and then I'll email somebody and not get a decisive answer, I'm sure. Um, however, the Gonzaga and San Francisco over 152 hit. That line moved up to like 154 and a half or something. Um, I said take the alt. I liked 152 and a half. I did not like 154 and a half. So hopefully you listened and took 152 and a half because if you took 154 and a half, you didn't win. The final score was 86 to 68, uh, which is a total of 154. So if you had over 154 and a half, if you had 152 and a half, bingo. So that was a 1.11 unit profit. Lost a unit for the East Carolina bet. That's another 0.11 unit profit. Last night, tacked that on to our running tally and we are sitting at 3.46 units in the black positive uh over 31 bets with a uh yield of 11.16 percent so we're doing pretty well not too shabby we're doing better than good we're doing great great uh, as far as tonight um there is an nba boost on DraftKings. I, I it's so hard for me to get into the nba but you know if they're going to give me a 50 percent boost I'll, I'll i'll do it um i'm thinking celtics they uh Celtics minus nine versus the Mavericks tonight. Luca is questionable regardless. My model has the Celtics at like minus 11 and a half. Um, so um, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of iffy on that game. I really don't know. I, I feel like it could be a close one, but you know, 50% profit boosts. I'm going to go with the model on this one. It should be a good game. So at least, you know, you'll have some money on it to throw um, to, to, you'll have a ticket to the game as I like to call it. Um, in the college sphere, clash on the court. Yes. Uh, that game is, um, Dayton at Loyola, Chicago, I believe. Is it, is it Dayton at Chicago or Chicago at Dayton? I don't know who gives a fuck. The point is Dayton is a slight favorite. They are a ranked team. Loyola, Chicago is not. Um, I think Loyola is sitting around plus one and a half right now. My model is showing them as one point favorites. And you know what? I, I like that. And when it's that close, I, I don't really fuck with plus one, plus one and a half. I start messing around at plus two, plus two and a half. If, I, if I'm, if I'm going to take a plus one, I'm just going to take the money line if my model is showing them as a favorite. Um, and in this case, they are. So um, I think the DraftKings line was at plus 102. With a 50% boost, it brings up like plus 150 something, which is solid. So... Yeah, fuck it. Throw it on Loyola Chicago, I think. I think that's that obviously I, I would imagine it's gonna be a close game. And, you know, Chicago could very well win. So why not? You know? Um, pretty nice payout for that. Um, there's also a college basketball 33% boost on MGM. Um and two five dollar profit boosts, uh twenty-five percent each, um, that you can just kind of lump onto this uh on Fanatics which I, I got to start checking more because I feel like they always have something small, but, you know, something. Um, so I might just, you know, I got $10 in MGM. 
10 cumulative dollars on uh, Fanatics. So I might just throw that all on this pick, which is uh, Dartmouth at Yale. They're sitting, Dartmouth is plus 19 and a half right now. My model has him as 16 and a half point underdog. So I like that edge. Um, I like, I like plus 19 and a half. I think on Fanatics, they're at plus 20. Um, and, and for some reason, my picks in the Ivy League have been the most accurate. Like, I think they're, you know, they're just, there's not a lot of unpredictable stuff happening in those games. Those games pretty much go exactly how you'd think they'd go. Um, so I feel confident with an Ivy League bet. I think, yeah, three point ed, a three-point differential between my model and the Vegas line. Um, I like Dartmouth plus 19 and a half. Go ahead and throw that MGM boost on it. Go ahead and tack on those two other boosts um, from Fanatics as well. And you got yourself a solid bet. So just to recap those, we have Celtics minus nine with the DraftKings 50% NBA boost. We have Loyola Chicago money line versus Dayton with the DraftKings clash on the court. Um, And we have Dartmouth plus 19 and a half for the MGM 33% college basketball boost. Uh, and those fanatic bets you can tack on as well for that. Other than that, guys, happy Friday. It's been a long week. We made it through. I'm proud of us. Really? I am. Now all I got to do is get my ass in the gym. Till Monday. Peace.